this theory is the where we are igniting you to transform humanity. Transform humanity. Transform to transform humanity. And here we go. This is the Change Element Podcast, where we are igniting you to transform humanity. This is the intersection of entrepreneurs, leaders, and visionaries, where we come together to talk about big ideas and small steps. It's the intersection of insight and action. So prepare yourself for some insight so you can take action. This is element number 13, titled defining success. And today, Tim is going to do a special, special interview with David Keatsman, a man who has a huge heart for helping others, especially the youth of our communities. And today, what we're going to learn is something about success, that it's not always what we think it is, and it's not always what other people tell us it is. So prepare yourself for change in element 13. Hey, welcome to the Change Element podcast show. My name is Tim, and I have the pleasure today of interviewing a good friend of mine, David Keatsman. David is a nonprofit leader and entrepreneur in the Los Angeles area and has been doing some amazing things uh, for, for several years now. And I'm just so excited to have him here. I'm excited for him to be able to share his story with you. Um, I know it's, it's inspiring and it's insightful, and there's going to be a lot that we're going to be able to take away from today's conversation. So uh, without further ado, David, welcome. Thanks so much, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's it's super exciting to have you. Uh, you know, I I know a lot about your story, uh, and I am inspired by it, uh, and I am excited to to sh- definitely share that with other people. So, uh, maybe just briefly for those uh, who are listening that maybe don't don't know you or haven't heard of you, um, maybe just just give us a, a little um, a little you know take on 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 what your story is. How did you get started, and where you're at today? Yeah, for sure. It's always hard to know where where to start from in your in your life story, but I'll right. I'll start when um you know, I started teaching art in Los Angeles a while back and in that process I've I've worked in multiple nonprofits and and ran after school programming for various schools and nonprofits in LA in the LA region and through that process really found out that, that what the youth need is is to be listened to. Mm-hmm. And we eventually started our own nonprofit, myself and another co-founder and a handful of high school students. So we called the organization Youth Speak Collective. The idea was that youth should be speaking up about issues in their community. And we really wanted to view it as a collective effort to help engage the community, to improve it, to work on leadership skills and really um, help help the community evolve and develop. And that was mainly in the northeast San Fernando Valley, still in the city of L.A. And it grew. This is this is 10 years ago now that I'm talking about. So definitely, definitely a fun journey. Yeah. Uh, since then, just about six months ago, I actually hired my replacement and um, two, have two main roles now in, in life. I'm well, three. I'm a father. <laughs> I have a two-year-old son. And I'm also a managing partner at a communications firm called Momentum Solutions, where we work with nonprofits. And I'm also the interim executive director at a theater company. So a lot has changed since then, but 
definitely the the bulk of my my nonprofit experience came with growing a nonprofit venture um, mm-hmm. in the last ten years to you know having a million dollar budget, having a solid team, and and working with thousands of students. Yeah, and you know one thing that I I love about what you did is not only the the mission, but you you even started off this this um, nonprofit in, in a very unique way, and and you mentioned that it was you, another co-founder, and some high school students. If maybe if you could expound a little bit more on that, because you you said you truly wanted to make this a collective, and you know one of the the beautiful things about this is that collaborative effort that from the very beginning the the kids that you were focused on were actually a part of that process so like like how did you was was that something that came naturally to you or and and if so like how did you kind of initially get that going how did you i guess get high schoolers to engage at a level where they were willing to to really come alongside you with this yeah it was definitely for some reason it came natural to me although i i you know, I'm, I'm not sure why, but I think, I think because I was a teacher and, and specifically an art teacher, we really thought about things a little bit differently. Um, and I think, you know, we wanted youth to feel like they were being heard. And rarely, mm-hmm. I think, in, in the communities we were working with, specifically Latino students um, in underserved communities, um, they didn't really have a choice on options for for their education. The schools we were working with had an average of a 50% dropout rate. So half of the students who started off in ninth grade wouldn't finish high school. Many of the students we worked with, you know, just didn't, when we talked to them, they just didn't have hope. It was, it was pretty simple. It was, um, it was pretty clear to me that they needed, they just needed more options. They needed adults in their lives to feel, to feel like they had, had more value. So you know, myself and the other the other adults who helped start it, who helped launch it. Really, we just started meeting with youth and, and talking to them about, hey, what what changes would you make in your school if you had the ability to make those changes? So, um, we started started meeting on a weekly basis. So for about a year, we just met with youth. We weren't a nonprofit. We were just volunteers hanging out with students um, in a in the school setting. You know, we we mm-hmm. we met in a community center in the community of Pacoima and just talk to students. Eventually we applied for a, a grant through the city of LA. We had the students write it. You know, we, we assisted mm. them. We worked with a lot of the questions. The grant was a great grant, a community beautification grant where you could apply for $10,000 to the, to go towards whatever needs you had in your community. We, we got the grant and, and started a small, a uh, little pocket park, if you will, a little mm-hmm. little park that just made the community look better. And that was the idea the students had. So the idea was ever ever since then, Youth Speak has started two or three projects, and they've all come from the minds of the youth, um, you know, as we've grown. I think it's important that you keep that in mind. When, when you grow larger and larger as an organization, I think it, it becomes a little bit harder. Um, but to to continually involve the voice of the youth, the voice of the, your team, the voice of the staff. But that's definitely the goal. It's definitely ingrained in the values of what we do. Yeah. Now, I, I want to ask you about that, that growth aspect because – 
you know, over the course of uh, your time there at USP Collective, I mean, you, you just you just talked about how you began, and you know, USP has has done very well. And what I mean by that is that your 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 uh, ability to impact and influence the community. Um, has continued to, to grow. Your reach has continued to grow. And, uh, I think it's been what about, yeah, 10 or 11 years, uh-huh. right. That this, this organization has been going and going strong. I think a lot of our, our listeners, um, they, they really, they dream, right. And they, they can envision, like they get excited about the idea of, of what it could be, you know, but it, as great as, as you speak and as healthy as you speak collective is now, you know, there was, there was a road to get there. And so I guess for, for, for you, I'm, I'm curious, uh, starting with, um, you know, a few kids and, and an idea, and then you, you know, you had this grant, like how, how did you sort of, uh, what was your process to, to continue to like grow you speak collective like what was the ways in which you did that because i think that's where a lot of people get frustrated is because they're not sure how to get from from point a to point z (laughs) and and they just they want to get to that finish line right or or at least they want to get to a some certain point of success whatever however they may rate that but right but those next steps those early steps are, are usually what's what's the toughest so how did you do that well i think a lot of people whether it's a business venture or nonprofit or any good venture, I, th- I think sometimes it's it, it might not have a clear path. I mean, it's never going to have a clear path. But you know, our goal was not to start a nonprofit. Actually, in the first year, it was just to help in some way to give our to our time. And so the the path for us wasn't clearly laid out the first year or two um, when we had the nonprofit status. I think it's it's a fairly similar story to other groups who start off where you're struggling just to raise money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of a it's a it's a fundraising game. Right. Um so it's but but having a team I think was one thing that a team around us it wasn't just me, it was myself and a group of adults and a you know a, a board of five that were was a working board of directors not just uh, some names on paper but really passionate folks who also believed in the vision mm-hmm. and i think it's it's essential to have have some goals so we set some goals out for ourselves um, financial goals and program goals and strategic goals and tried to meet those you know at the same time being creative and being able to listen to the youth and um, it definitely was hard. At, at year three, we are, are we told ourselves if we aren't making enough to 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 pay like a, a a decent full-time salary back then, it was you know we said we need to make we need to make forty thousand dollars. We need to you know this is like seven years ago now. We mm-hmm. said we need to just make forty to survive, and and that was our goal. And and we almost didn't hit it, you know. And if we and we said if we didn't hit it. Well then, let's just be a volunteer nonprofit, you know. And I think what what you just said resonated with me about what you determine as success. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of groups think you have to be big to be successful, but I think there's a lot of success in in small, you know, volunteer driven groups are making a big impact in in throughout the world, you know. And and a, there's a lot of smaller groups that are doing a great job who might 
you know, from the outside, I think we don't see them as successful because they don't have budgets. They don't have full-time staff and offices. But um, in our case, you know, I think it, it does limit, does somewhat limit the impact that you can make. But um, but we told ourselves, hey, if, if this is going to be real, we need to, we actually need to make a, a little bit of a living. Sure. So um, that was the goal we set. And, and by year three, we actually had a major grant hit. So we, we reached a we, we hit our goal and we were able to, you know, have three full-time staff. So that was great. Yeah, no, that's good, man. Um, you know, and I was thinking too, like you, you, I guess you get started on this and, and it starts to grow and, you know, you set this goal for yourself at year three and you guys, you know, are able to hit that. And then, you know, this great grant comes in, you guys are, are able to really, you know, get going. And, and so the, the, the growth and success continue to come. And then not that long ago, really. Um, but I, I think it like year 10 for you, right. Uh-huh. Is when you decided to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, yeah. maybe walk us through that a little bit because I, it may be hard for some to understand, you know, this, this thing that you had a major role in, in creating and building and growing and, you know, you were going to be kind of walking away from it and, or leaving it uh-huh. to someone else. Like what was your yeah. mindset there and how, how did you come to that decision? Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely hard leaving something you started, but I think I feel like part, part of it was in my, my personality. I feel like good, good leadership is helping train the next generation of leaders and, and someone to, to take your place eventually. Um, I think it's a, it could be a newer mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe may based off of the economy and some of the changes that our, our world has gone through the last 10 years, but I feel like our role should shift every five, 10, 15 years or so. And that's a, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to make sure I was, I was, doing the very best as, as an executive director, I think, or the founder of anything, I think you're, you're all in, you know, so it's, it's for 10 years being all in for something is a lot, a lot of mental energy, physical drain, stress, although it was, was super fun journey. I think at some point, if you're honest with yourself, it's, it's hard to keep going all in. And so that was, that was a point I reached and I, I, you know, I, I think, it was about a year and a half ago now. I told our board of directors that I, I, I think we could probably, you know, hire someone else to take you and speak to that next level. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, there's there's a lot of need still. There's a lot of opportunity. There's there's goals that that are still out there that need to be met in the community for to give youth a voice. And um, was able to to hire my replacement, which you know it always sounds weird when I say it, but. <laughs> It it was pretty cool just being able to hire my replacement, and I I was able to to coach him through his his first six months, and and the organization's still doing well. So it's you know like I said, it is hard. I think a lot of founders they call it founder syndrome. Mm. Uh, either stay on too long, or you know usually just stay on too long. Um, but I think it's important that founders who might have that initial vision reflect as well and think about when they can pass the torch so i'm not saying i did it perfectly but i think that at least at least we were able to pass the torch and uh, you know and life changes for everyone yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, there's something I want to hit on on David that you've you've talked about both directly and indirectly. Um, uh-huh. and, and that's this idea of team and and really like trusting other people. There there are some clear-cut differences between founding and running a nonprofit and uh, you know, f- creating or founding and 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 running your own sort of you know business uh small business or entrepreneurial venture there are some differences but there are also some similarities um and because when it's you kind of creating something out of nothing in that very essence it's entrepreneurial and uh and you from the get-go really, you know, seem to, to naturally value, uh, this idea of team and having other people to, to, you know, kind of come alongside you or for you to come alongside them, uh, and, and collectively and, and collaboratively, uh, do this thing. Can you pinpoint just like, uh, like a time where it was very tangible for or very palpable for you when, Man, having a team made all the difference as opposed to like really trying to just rely on your own faculties? Yeah. I mean it's – a lot of it I think as, as, a, as a leader of something, there's it's, – it's hard because I mean you, you'll, you'll have a team around you. You'll, you'll manage your team. You'll lead your team forward. But I think a lot of times they – they should be leading you forward if it's a, if it's a team effort. So hmm. I think you're. I, I always viewed my role as more of a coach. Like let's coach coaching the team through. And I think you know. And 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 some of this is in retrospect. I, you know. I think some of the you you learn everything through experience, especially as a younger founder of a nonprofit. I think ten years ago, I I, I did, we didn't know what we were doing. So. Um, you make a lot of mistakes along the way. So a lot of this I've reflected on and I, and I you know, I think I, I value the, the team, all the staff that we had there incredibly because nothing could get done without your team. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the leader, the, found, the founder can always say, I guess they're the founder, but um, it's a team effort that takes you through uh, up until today, you know, the current moment of time. And so... I think it's. I think all the credit should always go to the staff, to the team. Um, you can you can always you always have you know. The, I, but unfortunately, the leader always gets the credit. Right. <laughs> in the public's eyes, in the in the media's eyes, um, you know. But whenever whenever I was interviewed for, I don't know. You know, every every other month we were in spots in different news sources, and I think it's. It's it's hard not to take the credit at the same mm-hmm. time when you started something, but if you're really trying to think of it as a team effort, um, your your staff, your board, your there's there's a lot of other leadership roles that go into it. So even planning my own leadership transition, and and doing some research on what what other trainings there are out there in the in the nonprofit world for for leadership succession and leadership transition, there's really nothing. Because in, in this in the public sector world, we don't think about leaders moving on, unfortunately. Yeah. And and so in in planning my own transition, we I really tried to start thinking about it as as any everyone in the in the organization should should think about their own transition. You know, if we're if we're truly thinking of every position having a leadership role in some capacity, you know, in some capacity you're leading something. 
or you're leading interns, or you're leading a program, um, you're leading an office space, it, you should think about your role that and critically and strategically in that in that way. Yeah, that's good, man. I like that. I, I really love that that sentiment of, you know, regardless of, of what position you have, right, in the organization, you are leading something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it I mean, the sooner you as a as in the leadership position with with the leadership title, as soon as that that person can realize that, I think the better. Unfortunately, I, you know, it's not. I think in the in you know a lot of innovative businesses think that way, and I think the business and and public sector are different in that the business business sector has one clear goal is really to make a profit to make make their bottom line. In the public nonprofit sector, I think it's a lot harder because you're dealing with people's feelings mm-hmm. and you're dealing with you're thinking about it a little bit differently. You're thinking about the people involved and a, a bigger picture. You're thinking about the social impact. So, I've always felt like it 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 does complicate things in a, in a good way, um, in a purposeful mm-hmm. way. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. That's really good. So, hey, I, I, I kind of want to move on to really just what like some some of the insights that you've really gained yep. uh, through your experience, you know, thus far as a nonprofit leader and entrepreneur. And, you know, and there is there's quite a few things that you have been and are currently involved in, which are all uh-huh. good things. And, and so I would love to just for you to share, uh, you know, as as, as awesome as you are, David, you know, there's been times where things, you know, didn't go the way that you hoped, you know, and, and, and there's been some, some pits and valleys, yeah. um, right. In your career uh-huh. and, and some failures and, you know, what, obviously you're here now, you've, you've overcome those, but, but what, what have you learned from, from maybe some of those really tough times or those times where it just felt like that you were failing? How did you get through that time and how has that helped you now, or, you know, to get to this point? Yeah, I think it's, you know, you have to be driven by, by some vision. So mm. it's, it's keeping the, the, not just the goals, you know, we've talked about goals and setting goals, but your, your bigger picture of what, what's your, what do you really want out of this? I think keeping that in mind really helps helps me stay focused and, and move past the failures. Um, you know, one thing I've learned is not. Uh, someone told me once, not not all money is good money. Mm. You know, so in the nonprofit world, in in the fundraising leadership positions, really you're you're raising money, you're raising awareness and partnerships, but not everything is good. So being being a bit more skeptical. Of where money comes from and and the 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 items that are tied to certain grants, the requirements, the amount of time it might take, um, the the political repercussions of of taking some money over others. I think those are some things I've learned in the fundraising world, um, and then just treating people right. You know, not not I, I don't think. I could overstate that more is just mm-hmm. really treating your team with respect and value and trust. Um, you know, I think as a founder, sometimes it is hard to trust your team because you're, you're, you're kind of going off of your vision. So sharing your vision more, I wish, I wish I would have shared my vision more and inspired my team more. So, but I think moving forward, I think it's, it's learning from those things, implementing them on any new ventures, yeah. you know, you're moving forward with. So it's, it's, a, it's a journey. 
Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is. Um, and, and so for anybody who is, you know, who's listening right now, who who is thinking about starting something new, starting something on their own, whether that is a nonprofit or it's a business or some kind of entrepreneurial venture, um, it, what what advice would you give to the person that wants to get started? What like what's that sort of you know that that one thing that you if you could tell them you would tell them to so that you know to help them like start off right what's that one piece of advice that you'd give i'd probably say partner with someone i think it's i think a lot of people try and do something solo first mm. and you know there's plenty of successful people who've done things solo but i think it's 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 a competitive world out there so if you're if you're if you're trying to grow something and start something from scratch, I, I think you really need to start with with two or three people and, and have a team and really have that support network, have that uh, strengths. You know, no one has all the strengths in order to to build something. There's certain things when we when we launched the nonprofit Youth Speak, um, the other co-founder was a great writer. And so that that really helped us with our initial fundraising. I, I wasn't the best writer. I was uh, I was more of a on, on the ground person, people person. Um, but I think you you need to find people who share your passions, but also have opposite strengths from you to complement where you're where you're lacking. So I think that would be my biggest piece of advice: is is partner. You know, if you're looking to start a nonprofit in LA, I would. Say find someone who's probably doing the same thing you're thinking. There's close to forty thousand nonprofits in the county of LA, so <laughs> I always encourage people to collaborate more with their ideas. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, give us kind of a, the different ways uh, that people can connect with you, and 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 then also, you know, just with some of the the services that that you can provide and the ways that you can help you know, uh, help other people who are looking to, to do nonprofits, especially in the, in the Los Angeles area. Like how, how, uh, what are some of the ways that you can help them or some resources that you know of? Yeah. I mean, me, me personally, I'm, I've, one of the things I've always put, put out there for myself just cause people have done the same for me is I'm, I'm personally always open for coffee. So cool. if anyone reaches out to me, I, I never say no for, you know, for, for an hour of coffee, um, just because I think that's that's one reason why I was able to launch a couple, couple nonprofits and businesses in, in my period is is because people helped me. Um, there's a lot of formal organizations and capacity building groups in all over Southern California, but LA specifically, uh, you know, from the Center for Nonprofit Management to the Executive Service Corps to the Young Nonprofit Professional Network of Los Angeles, and um, you know, there's there's multiple groups out there that that provide training, some free, some paid. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of resources. To, if you know, folks will find them if they simply Google or they could contact us. Um, but I think part of it is marketing your idea, and that's something I could help on the professional side too. Is is really learning a couple talking points about what 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 you're doing, whether it's new or whether you've been doing it for 10 years. I think it's constantly thinking about your pitch, how you're branding yourself, how you're branding your organization is important because we're competing 
a lot of times we're, we're competing visually. I feel like yeah. uh, for, for mental space in people's heads, there's only so much I think people can remember. So businesses and, and nonprofits are all, are all competing for that, for that space. Um, so that people remember you. So I think that's one thing I'm passionate about now. That's why we launched the communications firm so that we can help people with, with the marketing of their ideas. Yeah. Awesome, man. So if someone does want to connect with you, uh, how, how can they, how can they best do that? Yeah, pretty much across, um, at least on Facebook and, and Twitter, you can find me just at the handle D A K I E T Z Da Keats. Mm-hmm. Um, on LinkedIn, it's just my name. Feel free to connect with me. Um, yeah, on, on any of those platforms, I'm definitely open to, to a conversation. Awesome, man. And definitely encourage folks to check out you speak collective at you speak collective.org. And, yeah. uh, the, uh, the communications consulting firm. Uh, yeah, it's it's Momentum Solutions. So that's just Momentum Solutions Team actually dot com. You can find us on Instagram and, and Twitter as well. Momentum Solutions. Awesome, man. Very cool. Um, so hey, man, I just got one last kind of fun question. It's a signature question yep. that we have here. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's probably it's kind of like one of those cheesy icebreaker questions. But um, the, <laughs> my question for you is: uh, If someone were to write a book or make a movie about your life, what would you want it to be called? Uh, um, probably go with your gut. Go with your gut. Go with your gut. That's it. I like it, man. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> simple, simple, and to the point. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. Well, man, thank you so much. Uh, like I promised everyone, just tons of great insight from a, a great individual who has done lots of, of great things with others um, in the Los Angeles area and continues to do so. So I, I encourage our listeners, he's, in, he's made the invitation, feel free to reach out to him if you'd like to, to connect with him and um, perhaps he can help you on a uh, you know informal or more pro- formal professional level along with with the other members of his team but david i i uh again man just so glad to, to have you here with us and and so glad to to be able to to share uh, your story with others and i know that it's definitely uh you know been an inspiration and, and will continue to inspire others as they listen and thank you for just doing what you do and and for going with your gut man because you are making an impact and and i love it yeah no i i appreciate you know, invited me on here, Tim and, and the, and the team at change elements. So, you know, super insightful questions. I hope it, hope it helps someone out there. And, uh, it is, it is just continuing on with the journey, you know, helping others, making an impact, taking care of yourself at the same time. Uh, that's good, man. That's really good. Cool. Well, thank you, David. And we will hopefully connect again soon. All right. Thank you. Sweet. Very good. Very good. Tim, thank you so much for that interview. And David, thank you so much for being on the Change Element podcast. All of you guys listening out there, make sure you uh, you hit David up with any questions you might have. 
And as always, you can find David's info and all of the show notes on our show notes page by going to thechangeelement.com slash 013 for element 13. So head on over there and uh, also leave us some comments on this so that we can uh, get back to David and let him know how much you guys really appreciate him. You know what would I like? I like ratings. And you know how we can get ratings? It's by you guys heading over to the iTunes. <laughs> the iTunes. Yeah, that's what it is. The iTunes. Well, it kind of is, right? It's that big monster. So head over to iTunes and leave us a review because those reviews help other listeners find us. So you are part of this momentum and moving forward. And we appreciate you guys. You guys are amazing. And let's do this. Let's ignite and go transform humanity this week. We'll see you next time.